So we've been contemplating how to fit all of the water of the ocean into a small hole in the beach. That's how we started this whole series, is contemplating how would that ever be possible? Or put it in a different perspective, could you imagine fitting all of the sand of the Sahara Desert into a sandbox? How would exactly would you go about doing that? And there's all sorts of other parallels and co comparisons of what it would look like to try and fit the immensity of who God reveals himself to be and how to fit it into the human mind or into the human heart with understanding and comprehension. It's an incredibly difficult task. And yet as finite human beings, understanding an infinite God is, is an incredible challenge. And yet God has taken the time to reveal himself to us. It's as if God has put a name tag on and says, here's who I am. I invite you to get to know me. And of course, he does that through his word. We've been taking time to study that word of God. And a God who reveals himself in a very specific way, a knowable way, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, sounds like three gods, and yet, no, he's one God with three persons. Um, and the interesting part in this is God's word reveals this, that, that though God reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father. The Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Son, the Holy Spirit is not the Father, nor is the Father the Holy Spirit. He's distinct in three persons, and yet he's one God. How's that work? We've tried to give examples, but they all fall short because God is God, and we are who we are as his creation. And today, we're going to turn our attention as we try to study and examine that immensity of, of who God is, and yet a God who reveals that he is very knowable. We're going to meet the Holy Spirit. Now, I was going to ask, is there any volunteer who would come up for the next 20 minutes and just share everything they know about the Holy Spirit? Any takers on that? What do you think, Rusty? Uh, I, you know, maybe aren't too many takers on this, and here's why. I would venture to say, if we said, who of you would be willing to come and tell us everything you know about Jesus? Well, that'd be a little easier, wouldn't it? Um, we might have a few more takers on that. Or even, how many of you would like to come and talk about a relationship with God the Father, who we'll talk about and learn more about next week? Uh, we might have a few more takers on that. But the Holy Spirit is one of those persons of God that it's harder to explain. And for a lot of people, we don't always know where to go with that. We know the Holy Spirit exists, and we just may know that maybe it's important, or, or we may even know, like uh, a Bible passage, you think about this, and we'll look at this one, um, from Mark chapter 3, verse 29, when Jesus says this, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He's guilty of an eternal sin. Nowhere in Scripture does it say there's an unforgivable sin except for that. And you say, whoa, the sin against the Holy Spirit, this is serious. What's that mean? Well, that is the good Lutheran question, isn't it? What does this mean? And if you were raised in the Lutheran church in regard to what the Holy Spirit does or what the Holy Spirit is and what that goal or task of the Holy Spirit and that, that third person of the Trinity does, well, maybe you learn this from Luther's small catechism, uh, the explanation of the third article. Let, let's read or confess this together. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord 
or come to Him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the Gospel, enlightened me with His gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. So goes the catechism. And, and that helps us grapple with this a little bit when you think that God has given us the Holy Spirit. He's the one that God sends, and we're going to get into some specifics of this, to bring me to faith, to first bring me to repentance and faith, to bring about fruit of that faith, but, but also to, to bear witness to Jesus, points to Jesus. It's the sanctifier often called. There are different words for who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, but to understand all of that, because uh, this is the catechism after all, and I remember getting challenged over this in, in college uh, years ago when somebody was asking me about my faith and I was opening the catechism and they said, no, could you please open scripture? That's another book. And I had to realize we get what the catechism is within our own circles, but God hasn't called us to share the catechism. He's called us to share the word of God and understanding where in the word does this understanding come from? You get where I'm going with this. We need to know where in the word God's Word teaches us who that Holy Spirit reveals Himself to be. So let's do that. We're going to spend a little time together in that way together. Um, let's turn to this, this first one that uh, we read already. And, and this is, actually we didn't read this one. This is a little earlier in John's Gospel. And John brings this up again and again uh, and records this uh, about Christ sharing that He's going to send the Holy Spirit when He leaves them. And this dialogue and this teaching begins in, in John 14 in is one place in verse 26 where it says, But the advocate, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Uh, some translations for the word advocate uh, use a different word there. Um, some translations say a helper or even the word assistant. And... Maybe a, a downside of that is it's just we, we get into, this is a difficult word. The word is paraclete in Greek. It's a, different, a difficult one to translate into English. Uh, the word helper or assistant kind of falls short because that would suggest a, a subordinate position in the Godhead as well as uh, it's just a harder one. Um, helper, maybe, and say, okay, he helps me, so he's, he's at my beck and call. Is that how it works? No, well, that doesn't quite make sense. Uh, another translation that often comes up is, is counselor. And, and that can kind of make sense, okay? One that, that counsels uh, the wisdom of God in, in our lives. But we have a, other counselors in life, like uh, my kid just got back from camp, and she had a camp counselor. Uh, I'm not sure the camp counselor is the same as the Holy Spirit, and that gets kind of confusing. Um, other translations, uh, you know, I just think comforter too can mean like a quilt on your bed. You surround yourself with a comforter, uh, or if you're mourning, um, uh, and you, it's kind of a comforter may come through the line at the funeral home, someone who, who's a comforter to you. And, and all of those things can be true of the Holy Spirit, but they don't quite capture uh, what the Holy Spirit does. Um, Seeing some translations in recent days bring out the word advocate, which I think has some merit to it, and this certainly can be debated because we're talking about how do you translate Greek into English. Advocate can be a good word, though, as one who advocates, one who brings something about, which the Holy Spirit truly does as the true advocate of God that is the agent of God who advocates. And the question is, 
Advocates what? What does the Holy Spirit advocate? We're going to look at really three areas that that plays out for us. Here they are. Advocates repentance and faith. Advocates fruit. You might be hungry and say, okay. Uh, Advocates Jesus. All are very important, and we're going to see why and how. Um, Let's start with that first one. Advocates repentance and faith. Let's get into Scripture and where God's Word brings us about. Advocates repentance and faith. Um, what, what God's Word says in this verse that we read just a moment ago, and I'll give you kind of a synopsis of John 16, verses 8 and then 13. Let's read this together. When He, the Advocate, comes, He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. Um, When we think about repentance and faith, one of the clear teachings of Scripture on what the Holy Spirit does, the Holy Spirit is the advocate that brings about repentance. Repentance is a change of heart, works in our hearts to turn us from our sin, makes us aware of our sin, uh, but also then turns us and leads us to faith in Christ. Um, Where this is important, and, and maybe you've had this happen again and again, I think of the times where I have been quick to say something, Maybe to my kids, maybe to my wife, maybe to somebody at church. And in the moment, uh, my, my, uh, my moment of what my mind thought was the right thing to do and the right thing to say, I said it and, and uh, yeah, I, I said the right thing there and, and then walked away. And have you ever had that happen where it slowly sunk in to say, what was I thinking? That was not of God. That was of my own sinful flesh. I was being judgmental or, or maybe I was being quick to, to just snap and, and it was my temper and it got the best of me. And like, what was I thinking in saying that? Well, what's going on there? In many cases, it could be the Holy Spirit is working on our hearts. Uh, Leading us out of an awareness of our sin, a self-awareness that comes not from ourself, but rather the Holy Spirit working on our hearts to make us aware that we have have fallen short of what God's will would be. God is leading us to repent of that. I think of in in marriages that, that aspect of the spirit of truth that Jesus talks about here. That that spirit of truth, what does that mean? The spirit of truth, that with God, He is a God of truth. And then when God comes to dwell with his people, uh, untruths or lies or uh, perceptions that are, are based in lies, they don't, they don't fit very well. You can't hang out with the Holy Spirit very long and, and be a liar because he will start to convict you. I was realizing this just this week. I did some research on this. Did you know that uh, the highest percentage of grandparents pass away, it turns out, when college students are taking final exams. Uh, did you, were you aware of this? There's a statistical analysis of this. They found that more grandparents pass away during final exams and term papers than at any other time of the year. It's been proven. Um, and, and, and they've also proven that 80% of the time, it's grandma that passes away during final exams. Um, Now, um, further revelation on this reveals that um, grandparents, if you are here and you are a grandparent, if you want to live longer, um, it's a good idea not to have grandkids in school. Yeah. Uh, Of course, I'm kidding in all this, but they've done research on this, and um, 
college students that lie about a death in the family, it's usually grandma. And she usually passes away during final exams. Um, like, really, right? You know, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, that's part of a culture, right, is the idea that it's okay to lie in order to bring about a greater convenience in our life. And that can happen for college students, it can happen for adults, it can happen even for grandmas and grandpas, where it's just a little white lie, but then it gets easier and easier and easier. It's a compromise of truth. And the spirit of truth, that God comes among his people and dwells with them as children of God, reminds us and convicts us that we are to be people of truth. And when we're feeling that guilt and sensing the guilt, to not just push it aside and in the popular mentality that everything's fine, everything's okay, don't ever say anything's wrong because it's not politically correct. Could it be, hint, hint, that the Spirit is working on us and reminding us there is such a thing as truth and convicting us in our sin to turn and repent and turn to God. That same Spirit that then leads us to faith as Luther says it in the catechism, I cannot by my own reason or strength even come to the Lord, but he's called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts. God who, through the Spirit, works in my heart, lead me in repentance, lead me to faith. Solely the work of God, and what a gift that truly is. John 16 says it pretty well there, that spirit of truth that leads his people. Um, but not just that, not just an advocate of of repentance and faith, an advocate, an advocate of fruit. Let's look at that. Um, probably know where we're going with this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Let's read this one. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. In other words, these fruits of the Spirit aren't about, don't come about by, by grunting or, or trying harder to live for God. This is a fruit of faith. Um, when James talks about that, that uh, uh, faith without works is dead, this kind of ties into this, that real faith always reveals and manifests itself with fruits. It's the fruit of the Spirit, God in us. And again, it's not us. It's God in us, working through us, the power to will and to do that which is right in His sight. Um, that, the fruit of the Spirit. Um, you know, just like when, if you've ever walked through an apple orchard at night, have you ever heard apple trees groaning, trying to bear fruit? Going, Aah! doesn't work that way, right? Um, if you have, it's strange because something else is going on there. Trees don't groan when they're trying to bear fruit. It doesn't work that way. Um, it's a, a result of who they are, what God is doing in our life to bear fruit through His Spirit, through being connected through His Word, remaining in Christ. There's fruit that is born through that. And there it is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That one's kind of misleading. But here's the deal. This summer, in two weeks, we're going to actually have a series on the fruits of the Spirit. We're going to see how these manifest themselves throughout Scripture and a God who's working in us uh, as his people. We're going to spend a summer bearing fruit and growing in fruit, and it's going to be awesome. Um, more on that coming up in a couple weeks. Third part, beyond bearing fruit, is the Holy Spirit advocates 
Jesus. This is really important. You may think of, and remember, when Jesus is talking about the Spirit's coming and saying, hey, I'm going to send that, that Spirit, wait in Jerusalem, and, and you will be my witnesses. Um, that that Spirit and the coming of the Spirit is connected with the witness of Jesus. Can't get past this one. This is, this is key because to be in the Spirit is also to be witnesses of Jesus in a big way, advocates of Jesus. Uh, but to understand it too, we, we saw this and read it just a moment ago, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 2. Um, God's Word invites us to test the Spirit, test the Spirit's. Um, to say, is it from God? We live in a very troubled world, a confusing world. Not everything is based in truth. And one of the clear tests, if a spirit truly is of God, comes right here. Let's read it. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Here's what it doesn't say. Here's how you will recognize the true Spirit of God. That Holy Spirit will brag about itself. What do I mean by that? Maybe you've been around those who advocate the Holy Spirit. And, and I, don't get me wrong, I think we can do more of that as Lutherans. Sometimes we don't talk about the Holy Spirit very much. But the other side of that, the other extreme is the teaching that seems to permeate out there in a lot of circles is that the Holy Spirit is about the Holy Spirit. And we need more spirit. And the Holy Spirit is leading us to have more spirit. And we've missed something there. Because Scripture says the Holy Spirit never points to itself. The Holy Spirit completely, fully is always pointing to Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It points to Jesus. The Holy Spirit never goes up front and says, here I am, look what I do. This is what I'm all about. No, the Holy Spirit says, it's all about Jesus. And this is important because our salvation is found in the one who goes the way of the cross. And the Holy Spirit comes to connect us to the one who went the way of the cross. The Holy Spirit. I love what uh, Paul writes in a different spot. 1 Corinthians Chapter 12, verse 3. Let's read this. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In order to be able to confess or say, I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, or to proclaim that and confess it before others, I can know the Holy Spirit is active, alive and well in my life. Um, you see where this is going? The Holy Spirit leads us to witness. It leads us to proclaim Jesus. He points to Jesus and leads those who are called to believe to also proclaim Jesus and point to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's an incredible gift. Um, there's a, another great passage from Matthew chapter 10 where Jesus reveals this about that witness, about proclaiming Jesus. He said, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. For at that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Now think about that. Sometimes we worry and say, well, I don't know what to say. I could never witness my faith. How could that ever happen? And God says, no, I'm going to use you. It's about being aware that the Holy Spirit is alive and well in us, pointing to Jesus, and in our lives, pointing to Jesus through that witness and being available, 
not resisting, not walking away, not continuing to throw up roadblocks, but to say, Lord, what would happen if you used me today? I'll give you an example of this, one of my favorite examples. I have a pastor friend, and this is going to rock some of your worlds today, I'll just be honest. But this gets to the power of God. I have a friend of mine, pastor friend of mine, years ago, many years ago, uh, was on a mission trip to Haiti. And while there, part of one of the uh, things he was going to do is he was going to stop at a local radio station and uh, preach a sermon message um, to the Haitians uh, via the airwaves. And uh, they had set up um, at the radio station, the, the ministry and the, the mission they were visiting, had set up a translator to be there to help him. He would be translated so that the Haitian people out uh, among the, in the remote areas would be able to understand the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, so my friend went to the radio station, brought him into the studio, they sat down, translator sat across from him, and uh, so they began. And uh, they said, go ahead, once you start. So he, he spoke a sentence, he stopped, the translator spoke, translated it into the Haitian language. My friend then continued to preach, stopped after a sentence or two, the translator translated it again. My friend on the third try spoke, and the translator said, you just kind of motioned him to just keep going. He's like, okay. So he kept preaching. He preached for an hour in English. When he finished, they were walking out of the studio, and the translator went up to him and just said, I am so sorry. I pray I didn't offend you. And my friend says, what do you mean offend me? He says, I didn't know you knew our language. And my friend says, I don't know your language. He said, well, that can't be because you just preached in our language for the last hour. How do you explain that, my friends? Except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the advocate, the one who has power to lead people to faith, the one who has the power to bring about fruit in our life, the one who has the power to use our witness in Christ in ways we would never, ever imagine. May we be open to it. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you have sent the advocate, the Spirit, to go before us, to prepare our hearts, to lead us to repent. The Lord, the one who brings us to faith through the gospel, the one who points to Jesus as Lord and Savior and brings about that fruit. Lord, may you bear more fruit in our lives. May you bring about more witness in our lives to Jesus as that Holy Spirit has its way. Lord, we give you thanks for that comforter. We thank you for that advocate. We thank you for that counselor that comforts us and draws us closer to you. Praise you for who you are as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.